Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Uh, hello and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 96. I am not John Davis, our most excellent host, who is not with us this week. I am the uh, Plan B emergency use only host. Uh, Brian Robinson, Assistant Vice President of Writing Operations. And uh, joining me uh, today, helping us get through this, uh, is a road test crew of Ben Davis and Greg Carlos. How come we don't get a fancy yeah, we, adaptation uh, uh, of our time? Well, we're just one group now, yes, not yes. individual. All right, that's cool. And uh, our my uh, co-worker in the writing and uh, researching area, Patrick Lucas. Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Off to a good start. Yes. <laughs> and hoping that we can get through it. Uh, we'll have the usual format. Uh, some recent cars have been driving. Uh, lightning round question. Uh, viewer question. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, recently, we had a SUV challenge with Cars.com and USA Today. And, uh, <laughs> and moving right along. The, uh, we had seven SUVs. The uh, criteria for the competition was under $40,000 and 19 uh, combined fuel economy. Had seven contestants. Uh, I'll just run down them real quick. Chevrolet Traverse, Dodge Durango, Honda Pilot, Hyundai Santa Fe, Mazda CX-9, Nissan Pathfinder, and Toyota Highlander. Uh, long story short, Hyundai Santa Fe was the winner. Uh, no surprise there, maybe. It was our large SUV of the year pick just last year. Yep, true. Main thing is uh, it wasn't super inexpensive. It wasn't the least expensive there, but it had way more features and everything else. What was the price the line there? Under 40000 Under forty. And it's yeah. just barely under. I think it's like you can get up to thirty eight. in yeah. the Santa Fe Well, now, it was, right? yeah, more than that. It was just barely. It was like a th- barely. It was 39 and change. But well, that had everything, under. right? But it had way more features than everything yeah. else, which... I uh, was impressive, but then it also had the most horsepower and also got the best fuel economy. So it's kind of a it had an intercom uh, too, right? No, that's the Toyota. Oh, uh, now, now Brian, what was your favorite SUV? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> me, are you trying to take over yeah. as the host? Or like, what's going on here? <laughs> no, me personally, I preferred the Dodge Durango just okay. because uh, it rides more like a traditional SUV. Uh, I like the interior features a little more. Uh, I'm not. I don't need a cold seat or a panoramic sunroof, you know. But I like the UConnect system better. Those things are so, nice. I though. like the cold <laughs> seats. <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure I'd buy a Chrysler product, but uh, that's probably that would have been my pick. What place did that finish? That finished in second. Second place, and then so what was Highlander three? I would guess Highlander was third. Is the mm. usually these things fall into whichever the newest vehicle is is the one that wins. But Highlander was the newest one here, and that wasn't the case. But that one had the intercom system. What kind That's of responses cool. were we getting from the uh, so are the guest uh, contestants? I guess he yeah he really liked the Santa Fe uh, just because it looked cooler, had all the features. Um, you know, he was definitely into all that. Yeah, the intercom system on the Toyota, if you're not familiar with it, uses the Bluetooth uh, microphone, and so the driver, and then it comes out the rear speakers for the third row. I'm oh, not sure. It's, uh, cool. It is yeah. a long way back there, yeah. so it actually can come in handy, yeah, I, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember when. <laughs> it's fun to play with anyway. Yeah, all right. <laughs> any uh, questions, any other comments? 
three row SUVs, families. Uh, what were? Hold on, let me look at the list of uh-huh. everything on there. Durango. Uh, last time I drove a Durango was a couple of years ago, and uh, it had uh, gear hunting problems, maybe on the highway. Mm-hmm. Is that still the case? Uh, the eight speed. Yeah, this is the the new eight speed, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. new eight speed. Uh, if it was a couple years ago, that was only the six speed that you you drove. So I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's, it's still hunted for gears quite uh, a bit. It's busy uh, to say the least with that many gears, but. Uh, I didn't notice it too much. Do you guys have the, uh, what was new for this year? New trim level, right? For what? For the Durango? Um, perhaps. I think there is a new I think I trim just, level. Yeah. just did a quick spin a couple months ago. It wasn't the Citadel, th- was it? Yeah. That, in my, in my, I can't remember what it is. I think we I had should a, know because I wrote it. But. Well, I went on the event and I can't remember now either. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Citadel. But yeah. yeah. But we, yeah, we just had the limited. Oh, okay. I think Citadel would have been V6. too pricey. Yeah. yeah. All contestants were V6. Uh, most were two-wheel drive. There were a couple all-wheel drives. But uh, I think maybe the pilot was the winner last time we did a big three-row. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, fell down to sixth on this time. We just um, but, we had one on the lot the other day. Um, that thing looks tired, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, well, I mean, the one that we had didn't really do it any favors. I think it was like as base as you could possibly get minus all-wheel drive. I remember that one. But it the was, steel wheels? Yeah, yeah man. Wheel. It was like, wow, where, you know, what year is it? <laughs> All right, well, good Honda transition. We'll move right into the Honda Fit. Honda Fit that uh, Ben has recently uh, driven. Yeah, I went out to San Diego to drive the 2015. Uh, they did a really good job. They brought over that traditional, well, not traditional, but that new that new Honda face that um, that seems to be spreading its way throughout the whole model range is now on the Fit, and it looks really, really good on there. Um, rear passenger room is definitely up, and that was a big issue. There's much more leg room and uh, even more headroom for taller people. I was talking to uh, Stretch on the event, the photographer Stretch. <laughs> yep. sure you guys we all know Stretch. Uh, I yeah. love that guy. And he was saying that his friend has one as a uh, current model. And uh, in the back, he hardly has any headroom at all. His head touches the ceiling. But in this one, he was lounging pretty good with, with, uh, with a fair amount of headroom, which is kind of cool. I mean, the, the, it may look small on the outside. But it's even bigger on the inside now, which is pretty amazing. But that uh, extra rear seat space came with a price, though, right? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Less less cargo room. Less cargo. Yeah, yeah, true. Less cargo space. And I guess, I guess, active young buyers would want more. You know, they need a lot of cargo. They haul a lot of gear. But what about inactive young buyers? Inactive young buyers won't have a problem, though. <laughs> she won't even the, get out of their uh, house to go to the dealership to look at it. Uh, CVT, you can get it in six-speed manual or a CVT now, which uh, the auto trans in the, uh, in the previous or the current model wasn't a CVT. And uh, now you get all the groans and stuff of a CVT when you're trying to get up to your target speed. Really? Which yeah, I don't appreciate the extra noise. Yeah, the but. CVT and the Accord uh, I thought was very nice and didn't seem to be as noisy. Well, there's a but, big difference between uh, an Accord and a Fit, I yeah. guess, in sound deadening material. Trade off <laughs> is fuel economy, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's the improved. price you got to pay. Yeah. You know, that's that's just the deal these today. And you can get the manual if you don't want it, right? I would probably go for the manual. Absolutely. The manual was. I'm sure it, it you're was, like a very few people who would actually get the. I'm sure because most of the people. It's hard to say. Yeah. Most of the events I've gone on now, it's like, I mean, this isn't news, but nobody's buying the manual. It's like sometimes below mm-hmm. 30%, uh, probably yeah. even less than Single that. Single digits usually. Well, yeah. and it's being an entry level car, 
I don't think a lot of people really know how to drive manual anymore that would be shopping for this what's car. It, what's it starting at? Uh, is it any price increase ever? Previous um, fit? I think very minimal. Yeah, it is. It is a. It is a, it still is a bucks, There's a lot affordable. more standard features, and it's uh, slightly elevated. But yeah, I think it's only a hundred, maybe two hundred dollars. So like more. sixteen or seventeen, is that right? somewhere in right? between there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, now, both previous fits, we've always thought they were actually pretty fun to drive, which is more maybe more fun than you would think by looking at it. Is that still the case, or uh, not exactly uh, fun to drive anymore? No, definitely still fun to drive. Absolutely, mm-hmm. especially with the manual. For uh, for the money, is there maybe something that would be a better option in that uh, particular segment? That is a million dollar question, hmm. or sixteen thousand dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what else is even in that? Yeah, I would have to quick what, refresher what of yeah. its competitors at that price level, but offhand, yeah, I'm not really thinking. Offhand, I don't think you're going to get anything yeah. as you know, with with cool a magic seat and cool features like that, and you know a sporty sporty look. It's it's, it's definitely a a, garage. You sure you wouldn't want one of those? <laughs> That's a lot smaller, is yeah. it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. the fit's got like interior room comparable to like a crossover. Yeah, it's got a lot. It's still got a lot of room in there. But I, I mm-hmm. have you driven the Mirage? I Somebody have driven, I've driven the Mirage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess I just haven't driven a fit in a while. I'd, I'm thinking of a fit and just thinking of a small, small car, but I guess it's not. It's small huge car inside. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> it was uh, like, for instance, it sorry was, to uh, ruin that segment. For <laughs> just to, let's, for instance, our Forester. When you jump in the front seat of a Forester, it seems a little cramped, really. But in the fit, it just seems like such a bigger car than the Forester inside. Interesting. All right. Can we move on now? Yeah, yeah I guess. Uh, next up is the F-Type R Coupe. And coupe. Depending coupe. on how right. you like to pronounce it. Yeah, there's a little it. accent mark over the E. Really? There should be. Well, okay. yeah, the uh, the Brits call it a coupe, and we call it coupe. We also say Jaguar sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Jaguar. <laughs> all right, well, tell us all about it, other than that. Um, well, you know, I hate... A couple of podcasts ago, I remember you were tired of talking about the F-Type, but guess oh, what? We're talking about t- it again. <laughs> <laughs> but this actually has a fixed roof, and it looks... All right, way- I'm tired of talking about the coupe party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's, uh, it looks way better than the uh, the Roadster, I think, and I think a lot of people are going to agree with me on that one. Um, the It still has uh, two V6 models, um, and then the V8, which now if you want a V8... You have to get the R model, which didn't have available in the Jaguar Roadster. It was just the S. Um, but essentially, with the R, you get 550 horsepower over 500 pound-feet of torque. So even more uh, power coming out of that uh, supercharged 5-liter. Um, as far as like down to the details, you can get a glass roof option, awesome. which I think it needs in that particular vehicle. Because I drove two days without a glass roof. And... Um, I actually felt a little bit cramped inside of there and without having the ability to uh, take that top down like in the Roadster. Um, other notes, I uh, got to do some pretty decent track time on a uh, real cool new track in Barcelona, Spain. And uh, it actually, there's uh, now carbon ceramic brakes available on the uh, F-Type, which is new. 
Uh, it's an expensive option, but if you're going to do a lot of track time and you have the money, then go for it because there was a, a mile-long straight on this particular track, which then led to a second-gear left-hand like hairpin turn, and you really uh, relied on those carbon ceramics going into that one. There really wasn't much fade at all to be had, which is good going into that sort of turn. Um, torque vectoring is also available, which is a first for Jaguar, and uh, that's really something you don't notice at uh, higher track speeds, but we were on a uh, smaller, wet track that we got to experience that, which was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's actually the F-Type Coupe will be cheaper in both V6 versions, but I think the R will be a little bit more expensive than the uh, Roadster, the V8S. Are they all automatic still? All automatic, yeah, still, no, um, still no manual transmission, which I guess would bring us to a topic of, you know, Corvette or F-Type Coupe. And Corvette, go yeah, for it. Yeah, it seems like a pretty Sorry. easy yeah. choice. Well, you, you can also compare it to, I mean, obviously the Corvette, the amount of performance you're getting for, you know, mid-50s and into the 60s, the $60,000 range, um, the, the Jaguar just can't match that. But you're getting the prestige with the Jaguar. Hardly anybody's going to have the F-Type Coupe. And there will be a lot of... Uh, Corvettes on the road, um, but then again, there won't be a lot of Z06s on the road, and I think that's what you would compare the F-Type Coupe uh, V8R. That's to. a solid comparo point for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, your feelings are pretty well heard. I think your Corvette, and I'd have to agree. Yeah, I think anything you match up in the sixty thousand dollars price range with Corvette, the Corvette's going to win, right? I concur. Yeah. So, which would you buy, the Roadster or the Coupe? Oh, I'd buy the coupe, but I'd have to have the glass top. I think I, I saw. I was looking tops. through that uh, uh, press release kit, and I think they said uh, they plan to sell a lot more of the coupe over the convertible, which is well, surprising because the convertible yeah, kind of put it on the map. Yeah, yeah. It's it just seems like, uh, and they were talking to me about this that Americans just don't like the convertible, or they just doesn't sell well in america if yeah if you uh, go back to the e-type days far more e- e-type coupes and there were convertibles here in the states and this uh the coupe actually resembles the e-type a lot more than the yeah. roadster does and actually they showed us a pretty cool picture that uh they claim wasn't photoshopped or anything but it was a um sort of an evening uh photograph of the car driving and the shadow of the car was like an almost exact image of the e-type <laughs> it was cool. really weird um. looking all right, any other uh, F-type comments? This is, might be the last time we talk about it for a while. Uh, something tells me it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get one in and drive it, and then we'll talk about it again. <laughs> All right, uh, Audi A3. Patrick, you've driven that recently. What's I have a, driven that recently. Uh, drop some knowledge, if you will. Um, I don't know if I'm dropping any knowledge. I'll drop some facts on you. Um, Gently. <laughs> um, all right, well, obvious competitor is the CLA, which... We just spent a decent amount of time in at Roebling. Obviously, that was the AMG, so it doesn't really compare yet. Well, uh, the S3 will be out, hopefully, the, in the, soon. Well, compared to the, two, the right. CLA 250. Greg, Greg, <laughs> slow down, Greg. <laughs> Let me get there. Um, yeah, um, easy, you guess. So the, yeah, so compared to the uh, CLA 250, um, the A3 comes in a uh, 1.8 turbo and a 2-liter turbo, um, front-wheel drive for the 1.8, Quattro for the 2. Um, those are the only... As of now, those are the fixed um, options. You can't get all-wheel drive on the smaller engine. Um, new uh, standard six-speed dual-clutch transmission for both. Um, so 
no CBT, no uh, seven speed, none of that. Is no it six speed. Yeah, six speed. Yeah. Um, no manual option that I saw. Maybe that comes later. I don't know. Maybe that's with the S3. I don't know. Um, very quick shifting felt nice. Uh, the two liter obviously is the way to go. It's not actually that much more expensive. I think that maybe starts at thirty three, maybe right under thirty four thousand, um, which is still a good amount of money. But um, yeah, the car on the whole felt very tight and compact, uh, very sporty, fun to you know go through switchbacks. Um, still enough room to live with, which is surprising. Um, I think it's actually bigger. It's bigger and wider than the uh, A3 Sportback, which is the five-door hatchback, uh-huh. which was previously available in the U.S. Um, so this is strictly sedan now? or Yep. Okay. Um, for the time being, um, I don't know if they're going to bring the Sportback, the five-door, back again ever, but for the time being, yeah, A3 is well, sedan only. People make enough noise about it. You saw Subarus thinking about bringing the... Yeah. Uh, um, I, mean, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know if the A3 had a huge following here as, as a Sportback, so maybe they thought sedan's the way to go. Um, they updated the MMI. I think it had a big following at all, really. Yeah, I mean, I really seen that all often. Yeah, I've seen a few here and there, but uh, yeah, I haven't really seen much of an A3 presence here. So maybe they're hoping, or I think they're definitely planning on the sedan being big seller. Um, it's got the you know the classic, or I guess what do you now consider classic Audi uh, proportions to all their sedans. Um, it's the first ever car to have 4G LTE connectivity if you're into that um that didn't really do much for me (laughs) is that part of i kept seeing articles about people calling the a3 like a classic hipster car i don't understand why people are making that connection they have this like advertising campaign where they're obviously trying to get a little bit more well-off younger people into the car um i don't know what that translates to i don't know how they're doing that i don't know what the thinking is i mean well obviously. you're our office hipster yeah, there you go. Coffee, so, <laughs> yeah i got I'm my french saying. press and uh, yeah. <laughs> the freshest of coffee yeah, exactly um i mean i personally well you know i've been loyal to audi i drive an out a4 now so this car reminded me a lot of what the a4 used to be maybe a couple body styles ago um small and compact sporty uh room, still room to live with so i mean if you're into that thing and you like audi um i think it's a much better choice over the cla personally yeah. so i was just gonna ask what uh, yeah i think it's way better than the uh cla 250 um i don't know how the s3 and the uh 45 amg are going to compare but you know i like it and i think we'll probably have a full test on it would sometime, a, so. uh, 45 amg and the s3 really compare or would there be an rs3 yeah yeah, that yeah, yeah that's like probably a, true actually yeah um, <clears throat> yeah the, the 45 amg is just light years ahead of the 250 so yeah, it's, yeah sure. it's a whole different car. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about that one already. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm about to yawn. Move on. <laughs> move on to our lightning round question. All right, there is a new government mandate from NHTSA just released requiring all new cars, May 2018 and beyond, to feature backup cameras as standard equipment. There are obvious pluses for drivers, but is it a good idea? Will it hurt the manufacturers cost-wise? And is the government getting too involved in the industry? And that's a three-part question. So uh, anybody want to uh, jump in there on Should any of those parts? Uh, Don't want to go over that two-minute mark. Okay. Uh, just just go for it. Just roll with it. <laughs> I like backup cameras. I, at first, I didn't. it was tough to get used to them. I think um, I just... I almost didn't trust cameras in a way, even though it doesn't really make any <laughs> well, sense. Well, because it tells you not to trust it. It says be sure to check yeah, your Yeah, that's true. But I, I really got used to it. And um, 
when I get into a car that doesn't have one, it even seems a little, <laughs> seems a little weird now. It's frustrating. It is frustrating, but um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Really? Um, Woo, absolutely. Backup cameras and I never had a uh, get-to-know-you period. It was love at first sight. I think everybody should have one. So they should be yeah, what, 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 standard equipment. What Absolutely. negative? I mean, what do you have to say that's negative about a backup camera? You well, see, you look like you want to jump in. Well, you might think that it would add to the cost of yeah. a base vehicle. Well, yeah. It adds standard. to the cost. It adds to, you know, repair. Did, well, how much does it add? Because I know, like, CRV, and there's several other vehicles that have standard well, they tend backup to lump cams. Them. Like, yeah, but they tend to lump them in also if they're extra. They tend to lump it in, like, a technology package with navigation and all that extra well, stuff. So that's why it's like. That is possible. But I have seen low-tech stereos that still had uh, backup cameras built into the rearview mirror right okay yeah. i don't really the like Mustang, those it's no, that's, yeah. they're hard to they're hard to use but i mean there are ways around extra tech that's i mean it just seems like that stuff's getting so cheap now i mean especially you can, if you mandated it i mean yeah i i really don't see a downside yeah yeah this is also this. four years from now three and a half years from now so yeah, i mean honda's putting them on their side mirrors now and 360 that's around right. cam nissan's that yeah, is that a cool i like that's, that's, i like yeah. the 360 that's cam. cool technology and then well the whole new the uh land rover with their uh discovery is going to have the new see-through hood yep transparent what is that it's it. essentially just cameras underneath right it's two cameras mounted on um, the left and right side of the uh, front bumper, I believe, or somewhere in the fender, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has a heads-up display on the entire uh, windshield. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that's probably going to be a lot of extra money, and probably not. Unless they mandated that everyone's manufacturer has to have. I mean, the third part of that question uh, is the government getting too involved in the industry. I mean, that ship has sailed a long time ago. I mean, government- <laughs> They're in it. Yeah, it's mean, <laughs> a good point. Manufacturers can't do anything without you know the government approval and pretty much. Uh, oh, I guess that's. Uh, all right, now let's get to a common question. Uh, many of us on the staff get this time of year. And this one is from Mark and doesn't say where Mark's from. I guess he's just from the World Wide Web. Uh, Mark, who uh, Mark, uh, Mark says that Motor Week is the greatest show on the airwaves. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, it's true. It is true. Okay. I like our show. All right. This is a long one, folks, so uh, buckle up. <laughs> Please explain the difference between the two types of oil and if either full synthetic or part synthetics justify the extra cost versus regular oil. I am currently using a full synthetic at $9 a quart and as of yet see no difference in performance. I do all regular maintenance and am really finding it hard to justify the additional cost, especially considering I have an older vehicle that has had nothing but regular oil and with over 250,000 miles cannot complain one bit about conventional oil and its ability to protect and do its job. The vehicle I use synthetic in is new, and if all the hype is true and proven, I will continue to use it. What should I do? Anybody? Are y'all still awake? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm here. All right. Go for it. I recently, my wife's got an 09 Wrangler, and I started putting synthetic in that all the way up to 50,000 miles. And I just, I switched to conventional recently because it was just way too expensive and I'm changing it every 5,000 miles anyway. Uh, for me, I just couldn't afford it technically. You, you just went the straight conventional uh, or did you do uh, parts synthetic? Cause, no, I just went straight conventional. Yeah. So much cheaper. And that, and that's not even cheap. I mean, right. conventional is still like $4.30 a quart. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always stick to whatever the vehicle came with. You know, if it requires it, then go with the. I think there are some vehicles that require it. It's certainly high performance stuff. Uh, some of the engine tolerances have gotten super tight, and supposedly synthetics better for that. But uh, you know, if your vehicle came with regular, I would say stick with that. Anybody, anybody else? And that's a that's strong advice. I really don't see a point in the semi-synthetic other than maybe just environmental aspect. You want to use less oil? I, I don't know. I trust, like trust semi-synthetic less than a backup. It's game. a good yeah. compromise <laughs> if you want to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable putting in uh, the conventional oil if you know that there's a little bit of synthetic in there. Um, I think what might even be a bigger deal is putting in the high mileage stuff. When if you, you said you have a vehicle of two hundred fifty thousand miles, I mean, I do that. You're definitely going to want to put in that high mileage stuff. Kind of uh, put some of the flex back in those gaskets yeah, and um, makes everything yeah. run run better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also high mileage oil has over the almost every year they're coming up with new additives and adding new additives to oil and the high mileage. I think kind of leaves out a lot of the newer additives and has it so it's more like if you have a 10-year-old vehicle the oil is more like what you were putting in 10 years ago i think so mm-hmm. i'm not sure if it conditions really, yeah. things like rings or yeah. gasket seals something yeah. like that. if you've got two hundred fifty thousand miles out of your other vehicle with regular oil yeah that seems <laughs> i'd keep rocking keep doing what you're doing save yourself some money and uh take your significant other out for a nice meal with it or something i don't know Nice. At $9 a quart, yeah. that money you save should pay for a nice meal. All right. I guess that wraps it up. Unless anybody else has got anything else. I was going to say you could rent over the top off of Netflix or something and, and then have a meal. <laughs> By over the top, you mean. That will be the next podcast where we watch over the top and we make uh, comments on it. Top 10 Stallone, uh, Stallone movies. That too should soon. be our next. Too, uh, too soon. What do you mean? <laughs> Still alive. <laughs> okay. All right, that wraps it up. Um, if this is the first podcast you've uh, listened to, uh, please don't judge us by this one. Uh, listen to our others with uh, our usual host, John Davis, who will be back with us next week. Uh, feel free to uh, check us out on all the usual social media sites, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and whatever else we're on. Yeah, YouTube. Check out yeah, YouTube, YouTube videos. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, podcast creator, Bog Mixer, podcast producer, Patrick Lucas. And a quick shout out to uh, one of our editors, Taylor Baxter, who will never, ever hear this. But uh, he's <laughs> been uh, with us for, I don't know, over 20 years doing some of our editing. And he's moving on to bigger and better things. So uh, thanks to him for all his uh, work over the years. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next time on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.